Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code PULPMX. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOSports.com and ThorMX. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by ThorMX. Check out ThorMX.com for the latest deals on the 2014 gear, the official gear of, uh, well, a, a ton of guys out there. And uh, BTOsports.com, couldn't do it without them. Uh, listen to the commercial and save yourself some uh, some money um, by using the discount code. So thanks very much. Uh, hey, we've done uh, John Gregory on here. We've done Pete Fox on here. And now, finally, on this uh, podcast, uh, maybe another another titan of the industry, um, a guy that I've always wanted to do this, and thanks to Rick Sharon for uh, making it happen, Jim Hale uh, of uh, Mechanicswear slash Axo. Thank you for doing the show. Thanks, Steve. Uh, Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you know, you, um, you're, your company, Axo, you're the importer for Axo for years and years, and of course, Mechanicswear, which is hugely successful. I don't know if there's anybody listening to this that probably didn't own a piece of Axo gear at some point in their racing career back in the day. I mean, everyone <laughs> had something. <laughs> Thanks. Quite flattering. Yeah. Uh, um, well, hey, let's t- first talk about um, mechanics wear. Uh, how's that going? And um, it seems like it's doing well. And uh, what's your day-to-day involvement in it as far as, uh, you know, at this point, I imagine this stuff just flies off the shelves by themselves. Well, I don't, I don't know if it all flies up by itself, but uh, Mechanics is doing really well. Mm-hmm. We, we've been quite lucky. Started in 92, and uh, it's been growing ever since. Um, you know, it's mainly, it's all gloves, all, mm-hmm. all gloves all the time. Yep. Um, but it's doing well. Uh, we've been, again, been super lucky, and uh, um, I don't know, momentum's still um, going like crazy. There's no way in 1992, and what I understand, Brian Lunas helped, uh, helped start it or helped uh get the line going a little bit? Is that the genesis yeah, of it? Yeah, actually, the, the genesis of it is uh, the product started as a trials glove that uh, Axo Italy mm-hmm. was producing. I was over on a trip in Italy, and I picked up this glove, and I thought we could bring these over and just add them part of the line. We were trying to grow Axo like mad, adding anything we could. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, Brian was Damon Bradshaw's mechanic. So I brought this product back, and uh, uh, I think, I don't know who started looking at it and decided, you know, maybe we could use this to actually work on the motorcycle. Right. So, and again, Brian being Damon's mechanic, um, our guys just took that glove and designed a, a graphic on the back of it, which looks not so unlike what it looks like today. Yeah. Just mechanics and the scatter. And um, we just, there was no intention for that to be a, a real business. It was just supposed to be an accessory. Yep. And uh, Brian, not only did he have, uh, you know, connections in motocross, but he had connections in NASCAR too. Mm-hmm. So we... Ended up, I don't know, in 92, Daytona 500, we took that the, the somewhat finished product to the Daytona 500 and started handing them out. And uh, virtually overnight, we had a business on our hands. We had wow. exposure from ESPN. And, and at that time, no one really paid much attention to the mechanics. 
Mm-hmm. In, um, in NASCAR, everyone was paying attention to the drivers, and we sort of went a different direction. And, uh, yeah, it, well, uh, it exploded from there. To this day, Brian works in the R&D department. He's very much influential on what happens with mechanics for a product. There's no way you ever dreamed it would get this big, huh? <laughs> no, there, there, there was a – when it started to get big, yeah. then there were some dreams yeah, yeah. about, yeah, I wonder what this can do. But nothing <laughs> – yeah. compared i mean it dwarfed our motorcycle business yeah i don't know in a few years and it you know it right. right place at the right time i mean we were we were so fortunate we were quite blessed to be in the right place at the right time well i mean too also uh, as a former mechanic that you know used a ton of mechanics for stuff um it it really did work it was nobody had thought of the mechanics nobody had thought of making a thin glove where you could uh still hold things and still deal with get some grip on tools and you know, bikes are hot uh, when you're working with them, and I mean, it was a it was a simple yet very much needed in, uh, invention. Yeah, good good description. It was yeah. it was quite simple. I mean, people understood it right away what it was what it was for. Right. Um, yeah, and it just it took off because there was really nobody else. Yeah. Well, there was no competition because we were birthing a category. Same thing we did in in NASCAR and in motocross, et yeah. cetera. Uh, because every you know, nobody had a glove specific for mechanics. Mechanics used gloves, but they didn't use a, a glove for them. So yeah. yeah, it was it was one of those perfect storms. And then of course, like I remember the first apron you guys made as a mechanic. I'm like, this is brilliant. Like I'm I, my clothes are dirty all the time. My shorts are getting dirty. Who? Why didn't why wear an apron before? You know, it was just so simple, but yet very good very needed yeah that's a yeah, good point i can't explain that one but yeah that was you know because obviously we didn't invent the apron right. i think some barbecue guy did but yeah, yeah that was uh one of those another stroke of luck i think yeah yeah <laughs> um so you're 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 uh the nascar guys now so now you have contracts with these people and and uh, i don't know if you pay them or not or whatever but now i mean this, everybody uses them in nascar yeah pretty much pretty yeah. much we went for years and years with with just about every single team with the exception of the Penske Cup team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Penske uh, open-wheel team used the product and ran the decals. But anyway, this last year marked the first year where we virtually had everybody wearing the deca- uh, using the decal and wearing the product. Mm-hmm. And our, we have a, uh, a contingency uh, deal with NASCAR. That little yeah. uh, row of decals you see on the car, that area on the car is owned by NASCAR. So we have a, an admin fee that we pay, et cetera. But yep. then we do supply, obviously, the teams with not only product, and cash for uh, for results. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty good thing. And again, we got involved with NASCAR at the perfect time too, when they were yeah. looking for sponsors for the new truck series, and so it was. Uh, and they they still treat us to this day like I don't know, like we were with them from the beginning, and we're little guys compared to people in that sport. Right, right, right. And I guess the uh, the ultimate uh, compliment is that there's been a few glove companies that have come out and tried to reinvent the glove and make a mechanic square glove and. You know, I think a lot of them have come and gone. Maybe there's still some out there, but the ultimate uh, form of flattery is imitation. And uh, guys yeah. are like, "Oh wait, yeah, we can do that." Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's still a glove, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's there'll always be competition. In in one respect, it's it sort of legitimizes the category and brings attention to it. Mm-hmm. Sort of like two candidates running for an office, everybody always talks <laughs> about it. So it's very similar to you know, it, it legitimizes the category. I mean, without without Pepsi, Coke can't be Coke, yeah, so, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. So. Um, and uh, um, uh, it's cool that the, a ginormous company like that um, started in motocross. It's like Oakland. Started in motocross. You know, like Absolutely. Oakland started in motocross. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it's kind of cool. Um, 
Do you know how many stores sell them? Do you have uh, any idea how many oh, places you sell? Wow. Do, you, do you know any? Well, like we sell to. It's, it's easier to go backwards. We sell to virtually everybody that's every major retailer, with the exception of uh, Home Depot. Okay. We sell to Lowe's and yeah. Walmart, etc. Um, uh, even Costco now. We Costco we're on and off with, but automotive. You know, you get chains like AutoZone. Yeah. You know, five thousand plus stores. Uh, O'Reilly and, and uh, Craig and Chuck's and Checkers that just kind of all merged. You get Advanced that just bought up another big group, and there's these guys have five and six thousand store counts. So when you land them, you know that's a big fish to yank in the boat. Right. So right, right. that's that's really helped. So with it, we get a lot of exposure from you know Walmart, from Lowe's, and again from auto auto parts stores. That really actually. It's interesting. That's that sort of helps the promotion, just exposing in front of people. Yeah. You know, in addition to the TV and the you know the, the yeah. print ads and the radio, et cetera. Um, and you put an X on the end. Another brilliant move by somebody at Axel. Yeah. You know, like yeah. just kind of neat. Yeah. Just, just... Might have. I'm not sure who gets credit for that one. Probably Dean Josick, our guy okay. in, in Seattle that still to this day does all our our print ads. So yeah. I. And I don't know who gets the, the award for putting the X on. Could have been Kenny Safford, not sure. But right, right. I don't right. want to go on record as saying who it was. It wasn't me. So. <laughs> right. Um, and then uh, also, too, uh, I want to thank you. I think I've I've probably made $500 from Mechanics for over the years. So thanks. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys are at some sort of weird deal where you'd pay like – Sixth, fourth, sixth, eighth, tenth, and eleventh, or something. It was it was a bizarre contingency program, but I I, I did get some checks. So yeah, leave it to us not to do things conventional. Yeah, I know. That's, that's for all the other guys. So. Believe me, there was more yeah. than a few times there was a talk about, hey, is fifth the mechanics for a bonus? No, 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 sixth and fourth. <laughs> and you're like, and then oh, you get, damn it, giving you guys pit board, pit board signs, slow it up, you know. I know. <laughs> hey, when you're a mechanic, it was fifty bucks or whatever it was. It all added up at some point. That's kind of what we thought. It was kind of found money from our perspective, where the mechanics, yeah. you know, if you if you paid it to Yamaha or whomever, yeah. you wouldn't you would never get the credit for it. But if the check read mechanics on it, then hey, you know, this is like a tax return. Also, <laughs> too, um, um, and I. Th- Maybe I'm mistaken, but I believe you guys really changed the pit board world too. Um, I, the first one I remember being thicker, being heavier, um, was a mechanics wear pit board. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that that uh, just that that material kind of changed. You know, the dry erase board kind yeah. of changed a little bit. We could actually make it thinner, and then we got a little bit more design. Like a lot, most of that input input came from the mechanics, the yeah. guys that actually had to you know carry those things around and try to stick them out and not hit the mechanic next to them. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, that was a, that was a pretty cool thing. And we ended up, you know, again, uh, spurred a lot of competition, but, uh, we got a lot of, uh, a lot of people using them. That is probably one of our single best exposures right. in, in supercross and, and motocross and outdoor, um, on TV because mm-hmm. you know you, you go to the bike and they call it the mechanics pit area. So we kind of get credit for it, even though it isn't really us. Yeah. They're using, yeah. they're referring mechanics to the sea. So that, um, you know that was a freebie. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, no, no doubt, and it's it, and like I said, phenomenal uh, uh, success with that mechanics work glove, and and um, in in a, in a way, uh, although you didn't own Axo, you're the importer for Axo. You've started and built two multi million dollar companies. Uh, you know, yeah, I thanks. mean, kind of neat, kind of a, a a cool deal, like and separate from each other, and one went and way one went away, and now another one starts. And obviously, Jim, you're doing something right. I guess that's the bottom. Oh, line. thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, um, let's get into the uh, let's get in the time machine and go back. Um, okay. Where'd you grow up? How'd you get into motocross? And uh, and when did you started Axo in '84? How did that be, how did that start? I guess let's go with that. Oh whoa. Um, okay. 
don't know if I can remember back that far. Uh, <laughs> growing up, I was into mini bikes mm-hmm. and and motocross and and had a Yamaha 80 that I couldn't ride enough. lived lived in Southern California mm-hmm. on an uh, in an area where there was an alley behind our house. So just every day after school, just riding my I think it was a Taco 22, and then I got the one with the jack shaft, the 44. Mm-hmm. And then my dad eventually brought home a Yamaha 80 one time, and uh, oh, you know, just got totally addicted. Yeah. So grew up on motorcycles, and you know, raced an AT1 Yamaha, and then a Bull Taco S, and yeah. you know, got you know, just again got addicted. My brother and I, brother Nick and I, grew up racing motocross. The the business part started when I worked for I'm trying to think when I worked for Jim O'Neill. Uh, the motocross, we, we used to sell yeah. Yeah. everything from plastic gas tanks and, I don't know, all kinds of stuff, spark plugs and that. Worked for Jim in Reseda. Okay. I actually just went to work filling in for a, a friend of mine, another motocross mm-hmm. friend, legend guy. And uh, and then I just kept working and then worked for Jim for, geez, 15 years and then just got a chance. I met the owner of the Axel brand. His name is Remo Berlese, Italian mm-hmm. guy. Um Met him from doing business with him at O'Neill, and then you know in 1983 I decided to leave O'Neill. Yeah, because and, uh, because O'Neill forever had Axo boots in their ads, and they I, were they importing them or? Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, okay. uh, and and that started with uh, with Jeff Fox. Jim uh, O'Neill was buying boots from Jeff Fox. Okay. And Fox's boot was made by by Axo, and also the and then and then I believe Fox and O'Neill were selling some. Axo branded boots plus their own private label boots, and then the Malher boot came out, which right. was the big deal under yeah. Malher. And um, and O'Neill was selling that boot, and and then their own boot, their an O'Neill boot made by Axo. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I met the Italian guys. And then when they got wind that I was leaving, he called and said, the, the Italian guy called and, and asked, uh, "What are you going to do?" And I said, well, "I want to start my own brand." And at the time, interesting enough, the brand when I left O'Neill. The brand was going to be Yoko. I had a deal with oh, the okay. Finnish guys, Yoko, right. yeah, yeah. and it was going to be Yoko USA. And um, well, thank, well God. thank God you didn't do that, Jim. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. So longer story than you need to hear. That one didn't go down. So right. then the uh, Italian guy called me, and then I kind of unquit. That was in '83. Then I went back to work. Quit in '84, and then um, Remo called and said, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "Well, I'd like to do, you know, my own brand." He said, "Well, you can do Axo, just." You know, only buy boots for me. And I said, no, nah, I want to do clothes and right. shirts and jerseys. I got this whole concept. He said, fine, just buy boots for me. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he yeah. virtually started us in business, lent me some money. Uh, and then that kind of started in 1984. And we were the importer. Then we were the co-importer with O'Neill, which that didn't go over so well either because I had just left the company. Of course. And right, yeah. we sold the Malver boot. And then we made our own boot called a Turbo Boot, which kind of yeah. put us on the map. That thing was that was awesome. Um, and um, I had both of those. I had a Malaria band, a turbo. Did you, yeah. Did you ever have the Rinaldi boot, the one with the synthetic stuff that we used to? Um, we made it the name of the fiber, call it Fiber Light or something. No, and I don't think I did. I do the, remember that. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a boot that never broke in. It, you could have it for 15 years, and the boot <laughs> was still almost broken. Um, it was awful, but the marketing was so brilliant on it that um, it sold like crazy. So I made, I made, I made a, an error there when I said. Uh, Pete Fox and uh, and John Gregory, also Eddie Cole. I did one of these with Eddie Cole. I don't want to forget about him because he's another. Oh, cool! Yeah, he's another. Really good uh, friends with Ed. Yeah, yeah another titan. Uh, in fact, his, his sister and brother-in-law were just up here to oh. Vegas a couple of days ago. We went golfing together. Yeah, really good friends with the whole family. Um, yeah, and, and Eddie and I go back. Who was it 
was it Gregory or was it Eddie? Didn't somebody else work at O'Neill? Somebody got uh, their start with O'Neill. I thought there was somebody else who. Um, well, I know. Well, no, quite a few guys. Um, right. uh, do you know Phil Davy? Yeah, Phil Davy. Yeah. Okay. From Liat. Okay, he and I worked together. He worked. Oh, okay. uh, a kid named Chuck Lanzarone. Lanzaroni. He uh, worked for Jim. He started a company called Sierra Distributing in Northern California. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, who else worked for Jim? Um, Vince uh, Vince from BTO, the owner of BTOsports.com. Yeah, worked for Jim. after yeah. my Yeah, yeah, way, yeah. way back. Yeah, yeah way yeah, later. Way after, yeah. Um, but uh, I thought I thought there was someone else. But anyways, um, what does AXO stand for? How did Remy come up with that? Did you ever get a story? Did you ever figure it out? Uh, Remo. Remo, yeah. sorry. Okay, yeah. It, it's kind of got a strange... Um, I think it was originally, the story that Remo told me was, is it was originally going to be ASSO, A-S-S-O, which I believe meant some sort of victory mm-hmm. cheer or something in Italian. But because of the double S's and the A in front of it, he didn't think that would go well in the U.S. So he just replaced the S's with the X, and, and he took that Alpha Chi Omega logo, and that was it. Okay. That, that's how it got started. It didn't have a, a whole bunch to it. So originally it kind of sort of means... Uh, victory, but, but yeah. it really doesn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and people that's call where it, the AXO came from. People call it AXO, AXO. Oh yeah, AXO. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I think half the people referred to it as AXO and and AXO. Because we try to correct people, but we just even <laughs> our very first catalog on the cover was the correct enunciation. Oh, was and it? It didn't matter. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so Jim Jim wasn't too pumped on you uh, importing the boots as well as him, I imagine. But no, um, I mean, who would be? I mean, I was yeah. going to go in direct competition with him. So that you know, I, if I were him at that same time, I don't think I'd have been happy with me either. <laughs> Did you ever <laughs> come out with pants and gear uh, besides Axo stuff? Like you, you dreamt uh, or? or- Oh, no, we did. We, we oh. actually, and then uh, coincidentally enough, we had most of the motocross gear made in Finland, made at Yoko, some made at Cinesalo. Then for a stint, we even did a Cinesalo brand thing for the guys in Finland. But, yeah, no, we came out with the full gear. We did head-to-toe. I mean, we did boots, jersey, well, what was gloves, it called? helmets, everything. What was it called? Sorry? What was it called? Oh, it was actually all Oh, I'm sorry. Brand. I thought you meant, like, he said, I don't care what you do, just build, you can still import my boots. Um, oh, sorry. I, okay. No. So you... He, he didn't care, really care if I used his name on ah. anything as long as I just got his boots. I that got was it. the criteria. So you were like, oh, no, hey, no. you were like, this is an established company. I already got the name somewhat, and boom. That, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, weren't, we, didn't, we didn't want to do it. another brand. We, weren't, we didn't think we were, you know, we thought we were smart, but not that smart. <laughs> so, so when did the first Axo gear hit? I'm trying to think. Uh, um, 80, I, I, I remember, like, um, the, uh, the stuff that had Axo... Uh, and then the stripes underneath it, um, 86, yeah. 85? No, I think later, maybe, okay. maybe 86, 87. Yeah. Yeah, and then we started advertising with the at Sinjin Smith, the model. We couldn't, couldn't afford any riders or teams, so we just had to get a, <laughs> uh-huh. a, a, a good-looking model, and then we started doing ads with single pages and all that junk. But, yeah, I don't think we... I think we got the gear up and running for a while. We first tried to make the gear in America. Mm-hmm. We couldn't afford to buy anything overseas anyway. I mean, money. Yeah. And we we had a we had a company in California that made bowling gloves, make our motocross pants, and they were awful. <laughs> like they were so bad that each pant had to be like checked for the size because you might have ordered and, and produced a thirty-two, but it probably wasn't a thirty-two waist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had to go check it. And so it was it was kind of a, a joke. But then I'm. We got to the point where we could actually order from a real motocross pant company. That was Yoko out of 
Forza. Was, so that was kind of cool. Was the, oh, so so Yoko made the first stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, Yoko made our first good stuff, our yeah, stuff yeah. that would actually be proud of, <laughs> of selling. Yeah, the stuff you could actually wear and go out and and then if you you know if it was a size thirty two, it really was. So. Was the uh, was the boots still doing well? Was it? I mean, obviously it was most of your business, but was it doing well? Oh yeah, yeah. Boots boots were doing were doing great the whole time. The whole Axo stint, boots were the were the thing. You know, right, we right. we sort of took the focus off a little bit off boots when we got into apparel and started making jerseys and you know our stuff. We tried to make it look completely different than everybody else's and you know tried to get noticed and mm-hmm. but yeah, boots were still the big the big driving force and, and of course the volume because boots are so expensive. Did you have any say in it at all, or was it just uh, the Axel guys at Italy? Uh, here you go. Here's a new boot. Was it? Um, the boots, since they were the experts on it, mm-hmm. we were more the cosmetic people. Yep. And so we would decide, you know, what the box looked like, you know, what the graphics were on the boot, which the stitching color was, where to put the colors. It right. was pretty easy for us. We were just sort of mixing and matches uh, plastic. There's a lot of plastic, a lot of leather, a lot of stitching. So those were the three components we could deal with. Um, but as far as the structure of the boot and how to make it, it, it was their expertise, and we stayed out of that. Eight, 1988, I had a pair of Axel pants, and uh, they were unlike anything. Well, actually, let's for, let me back up a little bit. A big help to your company, uh, boots and kidney belts found its way onto Jeff Ward. So that, oh, yeah. that was yeah. big. Yeah. yeah. Sent us all a rider. We had a kidney belt on him. And, uh, right. Yeah, we had yeah, boots and, and belts. That was In fact, the belt was the first product even before we got our first shipment of boots in. We, we had this, when I was in Italy, I saw this plastic flat thing sitting on Remo's desk. What uh-huh. the heck is that? It's a kidney belt. And I said, it looks like a flat piece of plastic. So we brought the plastic back and went to a place in Thousand Oaks, a guy's house, and he sewed Velcro and elastic on it. And oh, wow. we, had a, we had what we call the kidney belt. It's like, that's a weird-looking thing. Yeah. But and we, that one we kind of reinvented. We caught Gold Belt by surprise on that one. Yeah, it was a big it, plastic thing. And it then, was of course, stylish. Jeff Ward wore it. Yeah, it was yeah, stylish was, too. You know, as opposed to most gold, most most gold belts and that kind of stuff, it just didn't do. Like they may have done their job, but they didn't look cool. But the Axel one looked cool. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a that was a big win for us. So. Um, in '88, so I really remember Axel. You guys came out with some pants that you know had the rubber lettering on them, and then I don't know if like uh, is it was twill or I don't even know what it was, but you know what I mean—the shiny material. That was uh, was it nylon? Maybe I don't even know, but it was like so unique back then. You know what I'm talking about? The first... yeah, absolutely what you're talking about. No, you got it right. It was twill. It had those injection molded lettering on it. We had uh, we actually made the lettering okay. in Italy. It was uh, what's called a TPR now, and nobody had ever seen anything like that before. Mm-hmm. We saw it in Italy. What a nightmare that was shipping the H O N D A S and the Kawasaki lettering over to Finland yeah, yeah. from Italy, and then they get there, and the stuff wasn't right. And it was all in a big box, but the, the end product was awesome. Oh, you and, uh, yeah, that it. twill yeah. material was was different, and that's when we were doing business with yeah, hot and heavy with Yoko. Yeah, um, yeah that was an awesome product. They they were, and, and they were so unique and so different and shiny and cool. And you know, of course, this was <laughs> yeah. the late late eighties, early nineties when when that was cool. I mean, then you came out with the jacket. You know, of that oh, yeah, same material. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, did those? Did that break you? Those? Did that? Is that what really started selling? Clothing I think wise? when the clothes. Uh, no, you know what I think really made us mm. put us on the map was going racing in 1990 yeah. with Mitch Payton being the first, you know, real team that was aside from the factory team, and we had four top riders, Mitch's guys, and that's the same year we signed Damon right. uh, Bradshaw. With with the Brian relationship and everything, and that 
that's what kind of legitimized us as a motocross company. I think that's what put us in the focus of Fox and uh, oh. and uh, yeah. JT when we we were legit then. We weren't just this company with these interesting products mm-hmm. and these fancy ads on the back of motocross action. You know, we actually were. You know, this was our first breakthrough into racing, and we embraced it. We got that's the that was probably the big break that made Axel Axel. Uh-huh. That also was the same time we acquired Renthal rights in America. That was right at '88. It kind of was all timed perfect, and you know, then we integrated Renthal with uh, Axo and had the thing with Mitch. Uh, we didn't have Damon with yeah. Axo or with Renthal because he had a pro taper thing with Yamaha. Right. But uh, yeah, that was the that was the I would say the turning point when things. We became somebody what, at that point. Explain the Renthal thing. How did that happen? Did you see the product and you're like, I, I mean, because Renthal was around before then, but were you just able to distribute it better? And you were the product we knew was solid. Uh, Honda started using it in you know, 86, 87-ish. So maybe talk about that a little bit. Okay, yeah, the Renthal thing was uh, some of the stuff I'm most proud of. Um, how did it happen? I, Alan Greenwood, a guy in San Diego, was mm-hmm. the importer for Renthal for many, many years. But he never really sold a whole bunch of products. So Renthal was out there. They had an agreement with Yamaha. I'm sorry, with Honda. Um, so it was it was out there. It was kind of that European brand and right. uh, a little bit, of, a couple of funky little things about it. But you know, it was people kind of indisputable that it was a decent product. But over here, um, Answer had been, had kind of ruled the handlebar business. Mm-hmm. Um, Andres before that. So uh, when I made a phone call, I think one afternoon to Alan Greenwood, and I I said, Do you um? And we started just talking about, you know, could, we're looking for more products to sell. We just want to grow our business. And uh, could we distribute Renthal? And by the time he gave me the prices, like, we couldn't make any money on it. So I said, well, you know, that's kind of not what we're into. Um, then we just kept the conversation going. One mm-hmm. day he just asked me on the phone out of the blue, would you like to buy the distribution for America? And just out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, I said, well, yes, absolutely. So he says, well, the, the gentleman that, that owns the company, Henry Rosenthal, mm-hmm. which is the Fall and Renthal, um, in England, he would have to approve anything we did. Um, okay, yeah. so um, you know one one thing led another, and so we had this big meeting set up at our place in Valencia, and Alan Greenwood comes over, and Henry Rosenthal, which is today my best friend, mm-hmm. he uh, he comes over, and we have this meeting, and we're talking about you know acquiring the distribution, however that may be, and he and Henry knows about us and our ability to promote, et cetera, right. and so we had this like we had this like eight hour nine hour sit down meeting, we're talking about like. We're just kind of feeling each other out. Right. And I, I just I wanted to mention this because it's one of the funniest stories. And, and the whole time, this Henry guy isn't even talking. <laughs> and I'm thinking, it, it's ironic because when I, when I tell you who he is and what, that he never stops talking. Yeah. And I'm, the whole time I'm going, this is really weird. Not only that, he never asked to get up and go to the bathroom, yeah, yeah. coffee, eat, anything. <laughs> We're all pumped up, so we don't need any bathroom. We don't need any food or anything. Yeah. And holy crap, what's going on? What's with this guy? And I say, hey, you guys want to go to dinner after meeting? No, it was over. No, no, we're good. Well, later I found out that Alan Greenwood told Henry, don't say a word in the meeting. You just sit there, let me do all the talking. If they ask to go eat, refuse, and do not go to the bathroom. So Henry just did everything like that. Anyway, Henry and I, I mean, he is the, that's so not his character. But I, I so, didn't know that that was a meeting. That was something that people should do in high-level meetings. <laughs> I didn't either. I know the Japanese aren't supposed to look at you and all that stuff. Right. But, but in this one, it's just like, whoa, what? What's with this guy? Maybe he doesn't yeah. talk. Maybe right. you know, but he's English. He kind of he should be able to talk. So, anyways, <laughs> right, right. so anyways, we 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 made a deal and uh, agreed to be the U.S. importer, and then the the relationship just blossomed. Yeah. We split the cost of all of the uh, promotion mm-hmm. uh, of all of the what do you want to say the uh, 
the writers' teams and everything. And Henry and I enjoyed so much that I don't know how many years together we were yeah. doing this, doing the rental business. But and it was it took off like gangbusters. It it went from oh I don't know it was it was a shoot almost an eight ten million dollar company shoot in a few years. Right. We we couldn't sell enough rental, and it was the best product to promote because. It was pretty much indisputable, and they had every single rider. Yeah. At one time, they had everybody but Bradshaw at one time. So it was, uh, oh, the ads were, were so much well, fun. And then we, the end of that story is we ended up selling, we together ended up selling Renthal, and now it's been like seven years, um, to a, a group that bought motorcycle companies. Right. And uh, both Henry and ourselves did pretty well. We were, we were in, well in on the proceeds because it was our, right. probably our efforts that helped you know, raise its value, but that was one of the best in the history of my time in motocross. The Renthal one has been—I got to say—it's been the most spectacular. Yeah, wow. that, if you ever meet this Henry guy and get a chance to, you'll never meet another individual like him. <laughs> I'll, have get, I'll have to get Kaizmo to introduce me to him at, at some trade show somewhere. Oh yeah, oh um, uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah. And, and actually, that's funny you say that because so rent. Yeah, thinking back, Renthal is this handlebar company that Honda uses, and that's about it. And then. Um, but you know they're aluminum, so they're they're pretty pretty sweet deal. You guys like you did with your clothing, um, which I'm surprised that you said that the the twill stuff wasn't the big break for you because in my mind, like everyone had those pants, like at least where I lived or whatever. Um, here's what you guys did with Renthal, at least in my opinion, you mm-hmm. took a handlebar and made it really cool with your ads. You know, like oh, that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah like. I remember Renthal just being whatever, and then I remember Renthal being, like, cool. Um, everyone had it, and the ads were cool, and bar, the bar pads were colorful. And, you know, and then all of a sudden you guys started um, anodizing the ends of them. You know, and it was like, hey, bars are cool. <laughs> so, Interesting you say that, because that's exactly what our strategy was. It's nice to hear someone responded to it, because basically if you're making handlebars, unless you're a, a piece of metal, how are you going to determine one from the other. I mean, every, I, I could tell you that ours has all these ingredients, and yeah. you could come back in your ad and say the same thing. So really the difference was who used it and its image. Yeah. So we really had to make Renthal, as we did in Sprockets, mm-hmm. we had to make it from a part to an accessory to a desired accessory. It, it had to be cool to use Renthal. It right. wasn't about whether you – is it strong enough if I crash? That stuff all went out the window when we mm-hmm. when we started promoting the product. That's exactly what we tried to do is, is – uh, well, we call it a neck-down theory in marketing, is that, you know, it's not logic. Um, it wasn't logic to pay 60 bucks for a pair of bars when you could get them for 15 you know, but it's just, it was mm-hmm. different. And oh. we had to make, and even the clamp-on crossbar and the whole concept was, yeah, well, the Honda guys didn't hurt. I mean, probably Ricky Johnson single-handedly made the polished aluminum handlebar popular yeah. in the world. So, with, you know, single-handedly, I would have to say, was his, you know, the time of his career, but... Yeah, that was an interesting thing, and that's exactly what our goal was, is to take away the part and the logic from handlebars and just say, no, this is, you really, yeah. just look how good you're going to look if you have a pair of these on your bike. And I don't even know if the mud grooves in the sprocket help or not, but they sure look bitching. <laughs> the guys that make sprockets think they're stupid. Right, right. <laughs> um, it weakens the sprocket. How would you get Damon Bradshaw? How did that happen? Because, yeah, that was uh, a big thing. Bradshaw was a fox kid. He had wore the zebra pants. He was he was fox head to toe. He was one of their young guns, and and boom, you guys got him. Yeah, kind of an overnight thing. Um, I'll tell you exactly how we got him. Dave Stevenson, his manager, we we offered him a contract with no injury clause, 
And that was the difference between him staying with Fox and going with us. Mm-hmm. I think we paid him one hundred fifty thousand dollars, which wasn't, which was a lot <laughs> right, right. too. I think that was more than anybody had made. Yep. Uh, that was his, and it was a five year deal, and it was one hundred fifty thousand bucks. Five years. And, um, oh wow. Five. Well, one hundred fifty thousand was I was I was that a year? Now I'm now I'm mixed up. Or was that the whole thing? No, I think that was a year. Yeah. That's huge. And that was no that's... boots. He still had a boot deal with someone else. We didn't have him in boots. So that's big uh, money for back then. Are you, yeah, oh one, no, that was yeah. that was huge and. And no injury clause, which right. was the engineered by his manager, Dave Stevenson, which later was, you know, we, we was also Jeff Stanton's manager, too, mm-hmm. who we had a great, great relationship with through the years. But that was exactly how he signed with us and not with Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, then Damon and I became good friends, and that was, that was so much fun. Even after the Yamaha days, uh, when Damon was riding the, the, the Honda, yeah. Uh, yeah. Manchester Honda, that was even more fun racing. So. Yeah, I got that, I got that on, down on my list of things to talk about. Um, that was cool. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I talked to Damon about the switch, and what, he didn't mention the money or the injury clause. What he did mention was he was like, man, uh, Fox, I would, I, would, I would get like one pair of boots every you know, month or whatever, and I would get you know, only one set of gear for the, for the race day. And, and it's really weird because Fox at the time, I mean, they seemed you know, like they had more than enough money and, and product to do this. But he goes, I signed with Axo, and Jim, Jim made sure I had brand new boots every race. Jim gave me five sets of gear every weekend. <laughs> He was like, it was the coolest thing ever. I could give the stuff away. I could, I could do anything I wanted. And so Damon was like, the stuff was, was so cool. Yeah, that, that's what Damon mentioned that to me too. But keep in mind, this was after the deal was signed. So he didn't know we were going to treat him like that. That's true. Yeah. You yeah, know, when, yeah. when we got going. But yeah, that was important to us. We said, you know, if you want to give your gear away every single race, yeah. you do that. In fact, we used to go in the stands and throw out with Damon and sometimes with Jeff and just have them throw out stuff. Right. You know, we just we made sticker kits. We had him throw out T-shirts, whatever. But now that was a big deal. I mean, if you're Bradshaw at the time, he was the guy. I said, people want a piece of you. You just give it away to some fan. You'll get hundred fans on account of it. Yeah. So we kind of saw it a little different way. But and or, keep in mind, we didn't have as many riders as Fox had. If they were to have that policy for everybody, right, right. they might run out of gear. But yeah, that all came. I think Damon is just being nice because that all came kind of kind of afterwards. Afterwards, but, yeah, it was a it was a great relationship. It, it, yeah, he and Angela were just so much fun to have. It was sad when he stopped racing for us because we were addicted to it, and you know we didn't want to stop this party. It, it um, almost started like, like you said, like your 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 stuff was unique and cool, and you're coming up, and then you hitch on to um, the youngest, hippest, raddest, baddest ass rider out there. You know, like it was, oh, yeah. a, it was a perfect <laughs> perfect help to your company. Um, yeah, absolutely was. And uh, who came up with the with the bullet with the bullet uh, splatter? Uh, who was I think it? Kenny Safford, yeah. Kenny Safford designer, who is um, a designer now at Mechanics Wear for mm-hmm. gloves, uh, responsible for our latest, like, last 20, 30 unique pairs of gloves. And, and Kenny, he started with AXO, and he had, a lot, he had a lot to do with us. And he went to work for Alpine Stars for years and years. And I think for Gabriella, he's done a lot of his uh, successful graphic things. And Kenny worked for Alpine for a lot of years. Yep. I think he's responsible for the A Star logo, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? So, huh? Yeah, yeah. So um, he, I think it was his design on the, on the splatter thing. And, yeah, and, that was. Uh, and of course, the minute you put it on somebody like Bradshaw or something, it's oh, <laughs> overnight. Yeah. You know, overnight, it's just successful. Hey, and with that, let's go to uh, let's go to commercial break here on the uh, BTOSports.com RacerX podcast show presented by ThorMX. Listen to these commercials and uh, support us so we can keep talking. Thanks, guys. 
the Racer X Podcast Show is brought to you by BTOsports.com. Whether you are looking for new gear, helmets, boots, or you need to rebuild your bike from the ground up, BTO is your source for all of your motocross needs. As a proud sponsor of the BTO Sports KTM Race Team and the heart of the BTO Sports Amateur Motocross Team, it is obvious that we are about more than being just a store. We support the sport that supports us. us. We at BTO Sports want to give back to you, the listener, for supporting us and the Racer X Podcast Show. Use coupon code PULPMX when placing your order at btosports.com for a VIP listener discount. Certain brand restrictions will apply. For 2013, JT Racing enters its next generation with the all-new Evolve Light, ProTech, Enduro, and Limited Edition collections, taking quality and innovation to a whole new level. Also available in youth sizes, each collection is built with high-grade materials offering its own unique characteristics to meet the demands of today's riders, both recreationally and competitively. To find a dealer or view the entire collection online, log on to JTRacingUSA.com. Championship proven. Many motocross apparel brands make that claim, but only Thor can back it up. As America's first motocross apparel brand, Thor has set the standard for delivering the highest quality performance racewear on the market for the past 45 years. With champions like Ryan Villapoto, Blake Baggett, and Dean Wilson, to name a few, our products truly are championship proven. To see all the new 2013 products, visit ThorMX.com or head to your local Thor Parts Unlimited dealer. Thor, the official racewear of Supercross. And you know what's, what's uh, and again, maybe you didn't invent this, but Axo was the first company, the, and I wouldn't, I, it's amazing now because you would never race in those jerseys. But at the time, those jerseys were heavier, they were thicker, they had the screen print all over them. And it was uh, it was a, a really cool, unique look. I don't know how they rode the Nationals with those things, but um, at the time, again, Axo sort of broke new ground with that jersey. Yeah, probably. I remember. Uh, I remember uh, Damon would cut the sleeves off because those things were hot because they were fifty fifty. Yeah. Yeah, and we had the little collar on it with a terry cloth on it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, the 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 genesis of that jersey is interesting. As we were kind of getting hot and heavy with Axo, we hooked up with a with the Body Glove licensee people okay. that did all the licensing for Body Glove. I don't know where they found us or we found them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they, they led us to this place in Thailand that did what's today called the gel print. We're the first one. That's what they called it in Thailand. Okay. So we made those first jerseys, which were all over prints and then, sew, and then sewn up, and we made the first jerseys in Thailand called gel prints. They had never even made a jersey over there. Right, right, and that's right. what kind of started the whole gel print thing and the overall print and Oh, and then you could do, you know, that changed all the rules about what you can do on a jersey now. So that was kind of, yeah, it was, was kind of fun. It was <laughs> totally cool at the time. Um, did you, now you didn't, did you sign Stanton or was he through Honda Line or did you actually have Jeff under a deal? And he kind of wore some different stuff over the years. But what about Jeff Stanton and Axel? How did that really come about? Yeah, the Jeff Stanton thing came through a gentleman at Honda named Henry Good. Now, he's still probably there, but I think it's Henry's in the automotive division. But Jeff had a, um, uh, a deal signed with Honda that included Honda line gear. Mm-hmm. At the time, I think they were getting Honda line gear from Answer. So we actually got to be a vendor of Honda line. So now Honda had two vendors, AXO and uh, Answer. Right. And Jeff, Jeff being the key rider, and it's the time Jean-Michel Bell was racing for them also, but I think he had a separate deal with JT. So with um, with Jeff, it like half of the year he got to he wore the the Honda line with answer on the logos on the bandex the other second half 
it was um, Axel yeah. Honda line, but it said Honda on it. So that was the start of the relationship with Jeff. I don't know how we integrated the boot deal on that. But eventually, we got Jeff racing for Honda to wear all Axel with some Honda logos on his front and on the back of his pants. So we ended up garnering the front. Um, of mm-hmm. his pants that read, you know, yeah. uh, Axel. Axel right? So that was, and that what a great relationship to, to this day, the, the the best rider ever to sponsor. I mean, just and Jeff wouldn't use hardly any as as the other Jeff Ward. They wouldn't use hardly any clothing. <laughs> and they, you have to force stuff on him. Ward was the worst. He'd wear the same pair of boots the whole year. Yeah, we'd literally have to go there and pry them off. And oh no, I'm just breaking these in. You know, oh, Jeff, we don't even sell that one anymore. So yeah. Anyways, but. Well, Stan was said it was really good, and the Honda thing was really good. Honda, we had a really good little run with Honda. Made a lot of product for them. Did a catalog one year for them, and they were uh, they treated us really good. The uh, and then of course you know Bradshaw and Stanton going at it for one two. Uh, the whole ninety one ninety nationals, um, you know, didn't hurt either. Uh, no guys going one two and you know things like that. So there's that couple of posters you put out with both of them in the air and all that where you. You know, Axel was it. It was cool. It was um, yeah, cool. Thanks. <laughs> um, how did you get along with the Fox guys? And and and, and while well, JT was John was sort of getting out of it this time, but how was the rivalry? And was it was it intense and and all that? Because I know nowadays, nowadays the gear guys there's still battles going on. You know, it's it's pretty pretty funny that way. So yeah, with Fox, I guess we really had a lot of respect for who they were and where mm-hmm. they come from. So we we say hi to each other at the racetrack and things like that. We never really had much transaction back and forth yeah we had no litigation ever between us uh we had you know it, it, it was a pretty good relationship I, I think because we had so much respect for them and it felt like they did for us too mm-hmm. so it was a it's kind of a friendly rivalry thing right. and, and we didn't we didn't collide too many times for all that going on i mean they never tried to go in and really get in between mitch and i on the contracts for the clothing and that yeah. it was uh and it was it was, it was pretty good pretty good throughout the years i, oh. I think that's yeah, something to be said for that. Yep, um, they're, they're a pretty good, pretty good competitor, I'd have to say. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, of course, uh, in you, you know, you were the like you said the, the you helped design. I guess I guess Kenny probably helped design that first peak team, huh? It seemed like it was a lot of his drawings and his designs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was all that was all Kenny. The, the very almost shoes, almost uh, first five or six years, we'd always be messing with it. And Rick or uh, uh, Mitch had a lot of restrictions of what had to be on the shirt because right. you know. Depending on who was asked to write the big check, yeah. So, but it was fun. It was fun to, to integrate everything, and and you know, it was always exciting uh, at the opening race in Orlando to to go Let's there see. and just and kind of debut the whole all four guys. You know, that's when four guys was enough. And so. uh, and let's not forget, everybody. Jim Hale had Ricky Carmichael at one point. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. through Mitch, that was awesome <laughs> too. Yeah, that, uh, again, that helped. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> of course, he went to Fox first chance he could. One year, everybody was at Axel except for except for him. Um, yeah, you know, but uh, but you did get him uh, at one point. Yeah, oh, yeah. There are there are photos out there. Ricky burst in as a amateur number seventy uh, Axel Gear. So I I tell you the biggest thing we passed on, mm-hmm. and I remember exactly where I was when I passed on my way to Loretta Lynn's. We were almost to the racetrack, and uh, Dave Stevenson, who represented Jeremy, this is before Jeremy became Jeremy. Yeah, and and uh, we had Damon and we had Stanton, and we were offered Jeremy. And I said, oh, man, it's hard enough having Damon and Jeff anyway because it's like having two girlfriends. Right, it doesn't, right, it right. doesn't work. Right. It, it's totally bad. And, uh, and so when Jeremy came available, I said, you know, and we, we could have afforded it. But I said, nah. And, of course, I think he never lost a Supercross race for like two years right, after that. Yeah, yeah, and I he talk- just kicked ass. And everybody loved Jeremy, just like everybody loved Damon and, and Jeff. But 
Jeremy would have been. I don't know what we'd have done if we'd have got him. <laughs> yeah, uh, of course, Bob Rathcamp, been... Bob Rathcamp was very happy about that. So. Oh which, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, which you guys, um, um, you guys uh, sort of shared offices and shared businesses a little bit, huh? Oh yeah, we were yeah. in business together. In fact, yeah. when it's interesting, we go back quite a quite a few years. We knew each other before any of the business started through a, uh, I think, a friend of my wife's cousin or something married Bob. And I went to Minnesota years ago when we were, got to race Millville. And mm-hmm. um, anyways, when we, when I left O'Neill, Bob was kind of in on the story. Mm-hmm. He and he and I were planning on hooking up and doing this business, you know, together. Yep. Then it ended up becoming Axo, and Bob was in it. You know, came down uh, from Minnesota, and uh, yeah, we started for a long time. And then when we stopped with Cinesolo, he took Cinesolo, and he ended up getting Garney. It worked out worked out pretty good. But yeah, we had we had so much fun. I mean, that was the we had such fun times in business. You know, we got to just play in motocross and yeah. travel and go see our friends, and, and we actually got paid for it. So it was, <laughs> it was uh, you're, we're looking behind you, you know, is this really happening? So, and, yeah. uh, of course, the, the boot guys were still going and still making a good product, um, a colorful product, too. Like, you could change the boot uh, straps and everything else, and um, it, was, uh, it was still one of, the, one of the best boots out there, Alpine Star, uh, Axo, uh, Garnet. You know, the Italian guys were all still kind of in business together. Um, the Pentagon chest protector? Uh, pretty cool. Uh-huh. Had to sell. Had to sold really well. <laughs> yeah, that was a, an invention of Remo in Italy. Uh-huh. He put that thing together. Pentagon, I mean, he could be five different configurations. Yeah, all molded there. Yeah, that one. That one kicked butt. And that, they had a lot of colors going on, and that was kind of fun. What, um, what again? Was, the Italian thing. <laughs> what was your biggest seller ever? Do you think in Axel? Is, is there, in, was there one product? In just product? Yeah, or like one product. Like, oh, okay. Just Without one... a doubt, it was the plastic Series 29, the plastic top uh, glove. Oh, glove. We, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. had designed a glove with a plastic top on it that had these little air vents. Oh, yeah. And that that was unbelievable. I we had, had we were making them in, in, I don't know, Asia. They were making them in Finland. They were making <laughs> them back in, in Korea, most of them. Yeah. Unbelievable. That was that was. Kenny Safford's design, but before he worked for us, oh, okay. he worked for a guy named Dave Bush, a photographer in California, and uh, Kenny just drew that, and we went and had molds made, first made the molds in Italy, and, and eventually made the molds in Asia, but that was, uh, yeah. I remember the first glove shipment, December 17th, 1984, when those gloves hit. Oh, was it that early, 84, okay. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, because that was something we could get done because we kind of had control of it. Uh, we just made the plastic pieces in, in originally in uh, Italy, and we'd ship them over to Korea and had the glove made. So that's that's why we were trying to get in. Uh, yeah, that was like yeah the first six months in the business, and that was um, that was a the glove was was it, and that's probably what led us to the glove business years and years later. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, I, of course I had a set. Everyone did, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, so okay, so what what was maybe the worst seller? What was something that you lost a lot of money on, or something that didn't fly, or something you really thought? That was going to work and uh, didn't. Is there something that comes to mind? Yeah, series one fifty. Gosh, how this memory come back to me so quickly? <laughs> series one fifty nine pants. We made we made a series one fifty nine pants. That was the cost of them, the, the retail cost of uh-huh. them. And we made, the design looked amazing on paper, but when you put them on, it made your butt look huge. <laughs> For some reason, you know, the, just the design. And besides it not making you not flattering your your anatomy. Yeah, the pant didn't didn't hold up very well. So that was probably our worst, our worst screw up. What, uh, what year would that have been? Yeah, I mean, what year I was, was going to say, as far as something we spent money on, inside motocross was something we spent a lot of money on, but it certainly wasn't a, 
something I would do over and over again, but <laughs> still might. Yeah, um, anyway. yeah, of course. Anyway. Uh, uh, Davey has that uh, dedication column still in race yeah. at the end. Yeah. Uh, that had to make that's a cool magazine. It was, it was uh, yeah, that, that was that. That I mean, that was, was something that heart and soul was into that. Was that High Torque? Is that who did it, or did you do everything and, and High Torque sold it, or how did that? No, nothing. Uh, interesting, you say that. No, the reason we stopped it is probably because of High Torque. We um. No, we did it all on our own. We oh, had okay. our own printer in California do it, and Frank Coon did all the photography, and mm-hmm. we had a girl, Heather, do most of the writing. And, uh, no, that was all just done in-house and participated by almost everybody in the design department. And, you know, we just wanted to reinvent what magazines look like, and right. that was the intention. And we did four issues, and we stopped it because it, it started to compete with our business, the lifeblood of our yeah, yeah. of the cash we used right. to do the magazine. Right. So kind of an easy decision, but uh, still it was awesome to have had four issues and we had so much fun doing it. The high torque so, guys are like, Hey, what are you doing? Um, type deal. Yeah, yeah, pretty much there. You know, we were starting to get some, maybe a little too, too many advertisers and we were sort of sort of competing with our own livelihood. And we said, you know, maybe this isn't such a good idea. <laughs> if we didn't have a motocross line where we needed these allies, uh, you know, maybe it'd have been a good idea, but, uh, yeah. you know, everybody understood that. I don't think people understood. Certainly the consumers and subscribers didn't understand it, but, um, you know, we sort of say, you know, we we got to stop this or or go one direction yeah. or the other, and I guess we weren't ready to go to the publishing business. But uh, the, uh, yeah. the the series one fifty nine pound, what year would that have been around? I'm trying to I'm trying to picture. Uh, I'm trying when to... was that? Uh, probably close to ninety. Okay. Yeah, north or south of nineteen ninety. I'm not really sure. Yeah, we we spent a lot of time on it, and it was it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what was the most amount of money you spent on a rider? Uh, yeah, Hoffman and Ezra Lusk later on. And, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know how much we ended up having yeah. to spend on, on Damon Huffman, but he was he was the wrong Damon. I'll leave it right there. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, uh, he had told me a story. I did one of these with him, and he told me a story that he is his Axel clothing deal stopped him from getting a factory Honda ride. Um, so he was uh, uh, he had signed a big money deal with you, and then you had just said no. I you know I. Not going to let you go, and uh, I, I faintly remember that, but I uh, I don't remember all the details. But he's probably correct. <laughs> that uh, at the time we probably needed him really bad. At yeah, now, see, looking back, it could, could have been just fine to right. not do that. I do remember something like that. Yeah, that yeah. probably was the case. Yeah. Um, or his dad. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the the melt Damon the Damon Bradshaw meltdown in '92 at the Coliseum. How tough was that for you? Um, it was it was pretty tough, other than the fact that Jeff got the nod and we got the title with Jeff. Yeah, um, but still, but yeah, that Damon was, was. I mean, yeah. I, to this day, I can picture Brian throwing the wrenches right. and us watching Damon go backwards and thinking, "I can't believe we're watching this happen right in front of our eyes." Again, the only the only uh, I guess revived part of it was seeing uh, Jeff right. impossible odds to yeah. actually come come through with the win. I, I remember that like it was yesterday. I just I felt so bad for Damon. Right, like right. that just yeah, that was pretty pretty um, remarkable. Um, yeah, helmets do well for you. I remember that the carbon fiber helmets in the late nineties uh, were so cool and so trick, and uh, even the other stuff uh, were, were good. Yeah, helmets helmets were good. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Remo had he had learned a lot of the helmet business as he kind of went along, mm-hmm. and he wasn't in it. He didn't have enough knowledge, I believe, to do it like super, super good. But he had great designers, and we had great product. Yeah, the helmets were super light, but we always struggled with trying to get them at the time. What Snell eighty five or whatever the number was out yeah. there at the time, Snell ninety, and so that was always a struggle. But we did okay. We had 
It's the first time we got introduced to lawyers, hot, hot and heavy. We had three <laughs> right, or four right. lawsuits in our time. Yeah. Lawsuits where we actually saved people's lives and they, and they sued us. But right. I guess it's the nature of being in the helmet business. That, that's the only part about helmet business that sucks. I mean, you're trying to put a safe product on somebody, not, not too heavy for their neck, right. yet you know, a lot of theories on what's right, what's not. But that was fun. That was fun having the helmet. And it sort of made the whole look, too. I and mean, we had some cool graphics on those things. You that did. was a, did. a fun yeah. business, but we never got good enough at it to do a good, good enough job. I mean, we just, I, I think because the people in Italy had too many irons in the fire right. where they just couldn't be a, a full helmet company, also make boots and continue to run their business and run their business in Europe. And Did you, um, um, did you was it basically uh, like a Pentagon and, and the boots and the helmet? Remo sends it over and goes, here you go. Or did you have a lot of say in that over the years? Or were you guys just the clothing people? Oh, no, we, we had an awful lot of say in all the designs. Okay. So we kind of right. took over the... A lot of the uh, hard design and the soft design on the mm-hmm. products as we got as we got moving because he knew that we needed to build product for the U.S. market that it would sell the rest of the world because the U.S. riders were the riders. European guys were maybe they were debatably better in some cases, but they didn't have the the look and they didn't know what to do. So mm-hmm. he was smart enough to rely on our guys for all design. He would still put some of that little Italian look into it that we kind of would make fun of quite often, but. Uh, most um, of the time, he left that. He, we we sort of we dictated the right. you know the look and the feel stuff. So uh, you can answer this as much as you want, or you can stay away from it, or whatever. But I'm <laughs> I'm interested in this, like ownership of Axo. Like it sounds like you made Remo a lot of money, um, but you were never the owner, or how, did you ever want to be? Or I, again, I don't want to pry too much, but oh, not a, not at all. I have no problem telling you about it. No, actually. Um, Remo was um, owned all of Axo Italy. Mm-hmm. We we owned actually Axo America, but for quite a few years in our beginning, Remo and I were partners, fifty okay. fifty partners um, from the from the lending of money and and the giving of the brand with no royalty. So, in I think it was mm, pretty close to ninety five, where we bought Remo out of his fifty percent ownership in America, so that we became separate. Okay. But Go back to your question. Yeah, I believe I, I don't think we can take credit for making him a lot of money. I think we did it together. Without one of the ingredients, it wouldn't have happened anyway. Oh, come on, but Jim. You're, together, he, Remo's not signing Bradshaw and not not coming up with this. Come on. Well, he doesn't live in America. How could he sign Bradshaw? <laughs> so, <laughs> but and actually, Remo helped pay, so I'll give him that credit. But together, we, yeah. we made it. We made both companies big. Then one year, he sold fifty percent of his own company, factory, building, everything, uh-huh. and got a partner. And then I think a couple of years later, he sold the whole shooting match. And then it was a uh, that that changed the game right there. We now had a new uh, kind of a new wife, so to speak. Uh-huh. We had somebody new to deal with, and we didn't like it. And that kind of secretly was a, like a three-year plan to exit Axo and build up Renthal Mechanics. Oh, At that okay. time, we had thirty employees, and we don't want to fire anybody. But we knew what was down the pike. We knew that we eventually had to give this up. We set a date and time. We executed it. To that date, the people in Italy still didn't think, the new owners didn't think we were going to stop. We gave them a date, said, on this day in April, yeah. we'll pay you all the money we owe you, and we'll be done. And they oh, did not okay. believe it until the day it happened. They still denied it. And, and then we ended up helping find them a, a new importer in Helmet House and all that. But, yeah, it was, it was so, not a good relationship, and we didn't want to continue with it. So really um... – that was my my question was how did it all start ending? It started ending when Remo sold it out, 
And, and absolutely you, and, started right. ending when he sold out. Yep. Um, and what's Remo doing now? Do you still talk to him? You still around? Or? Oh yeah, yeah. All, all the time. Okay. His his son, his son, and us are mm-hmm. partners in Mechanics Europe, based in Italy. Oh, cool. And his son eventually is going to be our employee, and we're going to take over Mechanics Europe. Hey, how funny um, is that? Re- Remo <laughs> made. Uh, he had another boot project. He he's bought and sold property, and he's bought and sold companies, and he now has another boot project under Jet Jet Boots. Oh but yeah, Jet. It yeah, hasn't yeah. it hasn't done well. So he's. He's got a new boot that he's got in the works, and he's looking for a new importer in America. He's Isn't he's that, still uh, getting going. He still loves the boot business, but, you know, I don't know. Isn't that funny? Uh, 1984, you meet this Remo dude, and here we are, 2013, you're working with his kid. He's still around. Like, that's, yeah. that's a cool deal. I'm not sure if his kid was born then. Yeah. Right, like, right. He was, but, but that, is, that, is, yeah. that is interesting. And his kid loves, his kid's name's uh, Frances, Francisco. He loves mechanics. Doesn't want anything to do with motorcycles, <laughs> anything. Yeah, yeah. And he 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 believes mechanics. So he's a great guy. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny how it's been. And then he works with my son quite a bit, Michael, in California. So they're at at the office. So um, so kind you, of a nice so, little match. Yeah. So Axel's cruising along. You guys are still crushing it. You know, you got Yogi, you got Huffman. Um, you, you know, you still have some some great riders. And but this when Remo sells it, what what made you? Was it just business practices, designs? Uh, what made you think uh, I'm, I'm out of here, or did you sort of see the end coming over here too, a little bit? No, a couple things happened. Um, in our at our high point um, on our top sales in AXO, we were doing a lot of money, but we weren't making a whole lot of profit because we had a lot of restrictions having to buy product in Europe when Fox right. and a lot of our competitors were buying in Asia. Oh, so true. our margins right. were getting right. hit. Yet our cost of business was the same. We all paid the same for a page in Motocross Action. Yeah. So. That was starting to erode a little bit, um, and mechanics still hadn't, you know, even been birthed hardly, and it was just an accessory. Yeah. So that was one of the problems, our, our diminishing margins. Um, then when we got saddled with this new guy, we just didn't like the way he did business, okay. and we thought, you know, that was probably, so it, was, it, it's, it started with a trend, but eventually if we could have gone to Asia with most of our product, we could have mm-hmm. got our margins back up and then increased the sales. So and you know you can only have so much effort in a day, and so all the effort was going into into uh, Axo. But any effort we put into Renthal, which kind of interestingly didn't have much more margin, but it was a much easier machine to yeah, run. We're just turning it over. It didn't have right. as many moving parts. Yeah, it just yeah. it just ran well, and the factory just you know they were they never made a mistake. They never had a bad product. There was never a warranty. It was oh, I mean doing business with Renthal was like nothing on the planet. The only thing compared is probably. When we used to buy motocross pants from Cinesalo, yeah. same thing there. Their their quality was brilliant. Never a miscount on a box. Right. You know, never a problem with a fabric or anything. So, so, th- so yeah. Axel got sloppy, not profitable. New guy comes along. We're thinking, you know what? Do we need this? Right. And that kind of um, yeah, we didn't have much to do with the market. It was more like uh, you know our partner was slowing down. Well, when you think about it too, yeah, like you said, warranty claims and rider salaries and ride dealing with riders and miscounts and and warranties and maybe lawsuits uh, or whatever, and you're just like, we got this, mm-hmm. we got this handlebar company that's that's turnkey, you know? So yeah, so um, turnkey, right. yeah. And then we did sprockets, when we did right. grips, and everything Renthal started to do it was so methodically, you know, yeah. figured out and calculated, and you know, they they were a little slow in coming out with the product, but nonetheless, when it came out, it was brilliant. It was never oh. a recall. Was always 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 good. So yeah, what a what a company. Uh, to this day, they do business that way. 
uh, another – so Bradshaw retires, crushes Axo's dreams. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But he comes back. Uh, he comes back. Um, I guess where Fox and his comeback because it's a team deal, which is actually a yeah. funny story because who was I speaking to? Oh, Bob Rathcamp was like uh, – yeah, Pete Fox in like the early '90s. Pete was like, "Hey, these OEMs want to do team deals. Everybody, stay away from that. That's bullshit. No way. Don't let them do it." And Bob's like, "Yeah, I'm behind you, Pete. You bet. You know, I'm not gonna let not not gonna let these 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 teams dictate the clothing." And, uh, and then Yamaha comes in and sweeps up Honda and Yamaha in one year. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, 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 yeah. That was kind of yeah. And Fox had huge exposure, so it was yeah, it was a good call. Probably Bob's like, that, hey, I wait mean, a I minute. I have to agree with Pete, but maybe there was no choice. He didn't have a dog in that fight. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Oh, were just going to do what they they're going to do. And then yeah. Bob was like, "Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pete. Yeah, yeah. What about what about Big old the- giant fox head on it? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that sucked when yeah. Bradshaw came back. That that was hard for me to get over because it just hurt my feelings, and I know Damon had nothing to do yeah, with it. Yeah, I mean, he he had no effect on it, and I just but. To me, I took it a little personal, but um, I, I get over it. But well, he comes to you, so he, he loses his Yamaha ride. Um, he rides a '96 Honda in Japan and smokes everybody. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and then, of course, he didn't know about the aluminum frame bike. But uh, he comes to you and says, "Hey, I, I I can't get a ride, or I don't want a ride, or let's start a team." How does that How does that happen? Yeah, I, I can't remember. I think that's kind of. I'm trying to figure out who was actually the the guy that did most of the running around. That actually got it together. Was it was it um, the guy from MHR? Yeah, Al yeah. Cordner. Al Cordner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm I know Al ran the team, but I'm not sure who actually initiated the process when we got it all together. But no, that went. I don't know. A couple of years, it was good. Damon had a couple of good races. One, I think he he won one big race. He won Mount Morris in the mud. Yeah, he won High Point. Yeah, won Mount Morris in the mud. Yeah, yeah. Had that bike in the lobby. That's awesome. Did it? Um, did it? Did that cost you a lot of money though? That whole thing. Um, yeah, but it, it was no, it was kind of reasonable. Most okay. of the money was spent on the rig and yeah. in the and the racing and that. No, it was it was reasonable because Damon couldn't garner that big salary because it was all spent in the in the rig and in the, the again mm-hmm. all the logistics and everything. But no, it was was kind of reasonable, and it it was really a great relationship with Al and I. I mean, we're we're really good friends to this day. But yeah. it really, uh, that was fun. That was really a, that was a fun part of racing too. And then we at the time we still had a deal going with Mitch too, so we were still involved there. Yeah, and of and course. Bradshaw was back on a Honda. Yeah, so you, everything was good for you, Bradshaw. Yeah, and, and yeah Mitch. We, kind of, we were back. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, but talking to Damon, um, you know, the '97 Honda, not so good. But uh, yeah, he, yeah, he did yeah. the best of it. Um, another thing I thought of that maybe Axel was responsible for was the the numbering on the back of the jerseys. You guys turned it into something cool, you know, with the name and how it was sort of swept under uh, the back. And I remember being a mechanic and thinking that's really sweet. Um, yeah, that was something that we had to pass by the AMA. Yeah. In fact, we just debuted it all, of course, with Damon, because he's right. a really cool last name anyway. Yeah. And then all of Mitch's guys, yeah, we just kind of pushed the envelope in. Now you can't put a standard lettering. But, yeah, remember it was always the press-on letters that JT would offer. Yeah. And uh, then we just sort of yeah, reinvented that, and that was really fun. Then we started putting little slogans inside the number and just coded things where people didn't know what they meant. Oh, really? Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was – I mean, at one time we were pretty – Pretty stuck on ourselves. You know, we thought everything we did was pretty cool. Right. So, well, it, uh, truthfully, yeah. it really was. I mean, and then, yeah, you know, some you, of it was. Yeah. You guys would do the full glossy catalogs in MXA when nobody else oh, was yeah. really doing that. You know, it's costing you probably an arm and a leg, but it was cool. You know? Oh, no. Those would make the cash register ring like, like mad. To this day, people still do that. But yeah, those would, 
would ignite sales because we had telemarketers, we had people out there in the field. And when you expose yeah. yourself like that, it was, and you get to sell all that other stuff that no one ever sees that the dealers can't really afford to stock. So that was kind of a um, cool thing. Yeah, those were cool when we insert those. And uh, and the whole time everything was run out of Valencia. The whole the whole deal, yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah we had a, a building in Valencia. That was everything. Yeah. Oh wow, that's pretty interesting. Um, especially the the you know how big it was growing. I guess I guess Fox was the same way. You know, Fox has never sold out or anything else. They run everything, everything right there. Um, yeah, that's kind of cool because I had heard times that people had tried to buy Fox. Mm-hmm. And that was cool that they didn't sell out. That they kind of kept it. And now they're just on top of the world. So, so people that wear Fox T-shirts around and. Don't even understand what that box head even means. You know? right. Well, your casual wear was pretty good, at, you know, at times. Uh, the casual wear from Axel was uh, was something cool. Um, yeah, that that know. most of that was uh, derivative of the license agreement with the Body Club guys. We oh, had okay. a, yeah. just all of a sudden overnight just a boatload of things with our trademark on it. Right. That was that was nice. So, um, so uh, nowadays, you know, you don't see Axel over here too much. A few riders wear it. Antonio Caroli wears it in Europe. Um, when you see it now, do you does it is it just a different name? Is it just a name to you, or does it mean anything nowadays? Good question. Um, no, not not even anything. In fact, one of the things I was concerned with is knowing I'm kind of a high rev emotional kind of person, uh-huh. and I thought that when we got rid of it, that I would see it somewhere and it would you know give me that strange feeling inside. Yeah. Like I thought, you know, um, and and you know what, Steve, I didn't have that feeling. One time ever, oh, and I okay. think it was because we got treated so badly yeah. from the new owner that I think it had it had tainted so much, you know. But I expected to wake up one morning, or the my or my boys just say, "Hey, Dad, how come we don't do Axo anymore?" I expected it to feel kind of weird. Yeah. Um, if we sold mechanics, that would have definitely happened in oh oh nine or yeah, and fall of oh eight, we almost sold mechanics. Oh, okay. We actually we had to find a letter of intent. We oh, had wow. we had it that sold and. Uh, my wife and I backed out. You didn't decide. Ha- let me guess. You didn't have a room big enough to hold all the money. Was that, was <laughs> it that- would have been enough money for our grandkids, <laughs> grandkids. I think. I'm sure, but it yeah. wasn't about the money. Well, yeah. you know, we got blindsided by the money, and I think we kind of. And of course, all the people in the business, the stockholders, are all thinking hey, it's going to be a great day. Right, right, right. But I got, I got scared and said, you know, I don't think. And we're so glad because now when my wife and I hear ads on the radio, or we. Or check out things. Or say, Aren't you glad we didn't sell it? Oh, so glad. Interesting. <laughs> you know? Interesting to know that that you know you see Axo now and it doesn't mean anything. That's interesting to me. I, I yeah. Um, no, I don't. Yeah. I see that some of those road race uh, right. backgrounds and some of the places in Europe. And yeah, and I okay. yeah, and I, I you know, it went a, it went a bad direction and it's and it took the time to go that direction. A time where the industry kind of fell off a little bit during the recession and that. So well, they made a lot of mistakes. The problem was the people that bought it. Uh, knew more about making money in other industries than they did about this one. So yeah, yeah. I don't – they weren't equipped to, to, to succeed. You know what, you know, in, a, in, in, in all fairness. In a way, weren't. in a way, you let go of it right at the right time. You really did. Uh, uh, I got to believe that, yes, that, yeah. that's very true. That, that yeah, You know, had this not happened, had Remo not sold out, we may still have been in the motocross right. business with Axo. Right. And Renthal may have – I mean, mechanics may have never been anything. So cause, because at the time we had 30 employees – we had no choice. We had to keep our business going, yeah. and the only two um, vehicles we had were Renthal and Mechanics. So, yeah. and it was funny. Henry from Renthal, he really helped me for three years. We were on the phone, kind of planning this exit mm-hmm. and planning how we're going to do, how we're going to build sales, how we're going to, and uh, and it. We focused so much on it that it became a reality, and then yeah, did the you, rest is kind of history. Did you take a Series Twenty Nine glove or a Pentagon? Penta, 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 what is it? Pentagon. 
Pentagon, uh, yeah. Pentagon, did you, did you have them on the shelf at your house? Did you gold dip them or anything? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I have Ben Boston's helmet. I have a picture of Tom Brady, and I have uh, some cool uh, mechanics wear bronze gloves and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't have much of that uh-huh. access stuff. I guess I should have a boot, huh? You should. I mean, uh, John Gregory John Gregory told me he's got a little storage bunker with uh, still in the wrapper JT stuff, you know, that he, that he, that he got. Um, yeah, well, so. remember when GT stuff came out? It was the coolest stuff. It was ever. Yeah, yeah. We would we would drool. I remember going down to, to visit him when we just started AXO, and I went. We did visit his building, and you know we thought we were doing pretty good because we've actually sold a couple pairs of boots and a glove or two. Yeah, yeah. And we went down and saw JT, and my jaw dropped. I thought, <laughs> I can't. This is like going into. The, I don't know what it was like, but I All just right. said, "Whoa, this business is that big." I, I I was. I still remember being in awe. I just think, walked into his office and it's all glass and he's got this retail store and it stunned me for a couple of weeks, <laughs> <laughs> that visit. Right. So, um, uh, how was your relationship with the magazines over the years? Did you always get along with them? Did you, I mean, Valencia, home of High Torque and, and Jody and all that. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's a good question too. I, it was good, really good, but nobody did as much for our company in AXO as Jody Weisel, yeah. without a doubt. There, there's without a question. He, yeah. Not only did he help us with marketing, brilliant guy. I just think he's he's like the Charles Krauthammer of the motocross business. Then just an incredibly intelligent guy, and you understood human behavior, understood marketing, understood our position. Helped me, helped me personally tremendously build the business. So, in addition to you know high torque, if you run ads with them, they give you good favorable. You know, you know the same magazine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, for so long we we avoided. Uh, the Peterson guys, because we didn't want to, again, we didn't want two girlfriends. Yeah, we were yep. doing just fine, just one. And it was weird when we finally went to Dirt Rider and went to Super Motocross and all that. And, and, and you know, Don, good, good friend. I right. knew his brother really well. Yeah. But, yeah, so that was, was kind of weird. But, yeah, I got to say the single guy that helped us most were probably Jody and, and Roland, his boss, that, yeah. you know, kind of let us let us start advertising with him when O'Neill told him not to. <laughs> oh, really? Huh? So, wow. Yeah, yeah in 84, yeah. they, yep. they kind of threatened, and Roland, you know, said, no, no one's going to run my business but me. So that's kind of uh, cool. I was always very depressed when I found out that Roland never wrote his columns for so long, and Jody did. I was always bummed about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's... laughs> it was like one of the – it's like the curtain being pulled back on the magic show, you know? <laughs> Absolutely what that is. <laughs> um, interesting, yeah. I tried to do one of these with Jody. He's not a fan, though, but uh, – uh, no, like probably to, not. Very, but he's one intelligent human yes, being. Yes, very interesting guy. Very interesting yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so okay, so single most proudest thing you've done? Is there one? I mean, God, Ooh, I know wow! What, in I, business, you mean? Yeah, in business. Uh, um, no one cares about wow. your kids and stuff, Jim. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. exactly. I'm exactly. kidding. I understand that. Um, but um, you know what I mean? Like, was there? Is it starting AXO? Is it the mechanics for success you're enjoying now? The, I mean, I guess the rental thing was great, like you said, but. Um, Looking back on it at the end, I mean, what do we put on your tombstone, Axel guy? I gotta say, it's um, I, I don't know. It's it's close between between the mechanics wear success and the Renthal, and yeah. I I have to err on the side of Renthal. I just um, I don't know. There's something about that brand that I have such <laughs> such a a love for, mm-hmm. and that and everything about it. As we're speaking right now, the other the Fall, no, the Renshaw in Renthal, the Ren and Renshaw. Yeah. Ren, just Renshaw, Andrew Renshaw. No, Dad, I'm, they, I'm talking to you. I'm staring at a picture of Henry and Andrew when they were like 14, right outside their uh, little workshop. But, I, um, I never knew there was a. I always just thought Henry 
was Renthal. Somehow he came up with Thal. Yeah, he, he was the face of it, and, and okay. Andrew was the uh, engineer guy of it. Always played, stayed in the back and did the engineering part of it. Oh, interesting. And Henry okay. did the, was the face of it. Yeah, they were and childhood buddies. You know, they grew up together in the same area, and I was, think it was their aunt that owned, and they, call, they put another syllable in aluminum called aluminum, owned an aluminum processing plant, like a Reynolds aluminum, only a lot smaller. Okay. And that's how they decided to make handlebars. Oh, wow. Um, out, of, okay. out of aluminum. Their aunt knew how the process was and everything. So, yeah, that, that I don't know, that's probably got to be, you know, I don't like to look back on things, but that's probably going to be one of the, the best things is, is the success we did with Renthal and all the fun times we had figuring out the marketing and we would come up with these ideas and Henry and I would just take chances. Let's just try this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just pay this team this outrageous money and just, you know, whatever we do. And we had so much fun doing Renthal. Mechanics is fun. It's nice because it makes a lot of money and it's yeah. a little bigger level. So, right. but you know, it's nice to see somebody that you'll see it on the side of my car and they say, Oh, I know that brand. You, you know, yeah, you yeah. look for these guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> great clothes. So do you ever that's, that's kind of cool. Do you ever just go back to the R and D department? Get Lunas, sit down, Lunas, and go, Lunas. What happened in '92? What <laughs> happened, Brian? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. So I, I don't know. I don't do. I mean, I'm in there, and that's where I go. I kind of go into the design department because I want to see what's, right. what you guys are working on. What are you right. thinking about this? You know, it's it's a candy store when you go in, and it's I still get excited just seeing you know the, the product. You know, just the product. I just love product. I don't know what it is. It's just yeah. It, yeah, there's something I, uh, about it. You know? I would be okay. So, so RJ, so Hannah bought you a Ferrari, Brian? No, no, Hannah bought um, Brian a Ferrari. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, I say I'd sit Brian yeah. down and be like, so, oh, so oh, Hannah, I yeah, yeah, Hannah no, bought I, you a Ferrari? Bought, I don't know where. Yeah, how about Hannah just buying a Ferrari? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, how cool is that? I got I got five hundred bucks from my rider one time. And I thought I hit the lottery. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's all relative. Huh? <laughs> um, well, hey, uh, yeah. Jim Hale, thank you for doing the. Uh, BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by uh, one at one time your arch enemy Thor MX. Although that's probably a little later, <laughs> probably a little later yeah. for Thor. But uh, man, interesting stories, and you've had a ton of success in the industry, and and uh, yeah, just a real interesting podcast. Thank you for doing it. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Steve. I really enjoyed it. This was really this was really fun. Thank right you so on. much. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Okay, take See care. You. Bye. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show brought to you by RacerX. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself that's it you know and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that you know that i was going to miss the daughter Ron machine until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying it's like being a dead horse i mean you know and i know from personal experience did anybody ever sit me down of course they did everybody did pro circuits mitch payton there's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. 
It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX on the iTunes Store to enjoy these and many more great podcasts. You know I've lost the blood. I won't let this die. You know I've got-